All right, everybody out there in podcast land, welcome to episode 112 of the Mole Train. All right, I'm your host, Thom Hanks, here with a guy who is uh, elected to remain anonymous. But I tell you what, I found this guy when I was out the Fifth Street Market the other day. I was on my mole patrol, my daily mole patrol, finding guys and gals to bring in here in the podcast so we can talk about their moles. And I found this mook. And I just want to say thank you, buddy, for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm here. Thanks for the $25. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, you said you'd give me $25 to, for me to come in here to talk about my moles. Well, you so. told me you was going to show me some good quality moles, so well, we'll see. I've got these three on my face right here. Yeah, that's what made me notice you. We was up at the at the grocery store, and I looked across the vegetables there, and I saw that beautiful little Jacob's Ladder of those moles on your cheek there. Tell me about those babies. Well, I've had those ever since I can remember. Or is it? Is it a medical fascination, or did you, you just, I mean, what what is it about moles? Mm, I just like to look at them. So what do you got that I can't see? What are we talking about there? Yeah, well, I, I have other moles, but it's it's gonna. I mean, I, you know, I'm out of work. I mean, it's gonna cost you. Uh, well, okay. What are we are we gonna negotiate here on air or what, buddy? I thought the twenty five dollars was to see the moles, not just to see the ones on your face that I can already plainly see for free. I'll throw out something ridiculous. Uh, twenty dollars a mole. How many moles you got? Thirty. Jesus Christ, that's nine hundred dollars. Yeah, well, that's what it's going to cost. Yeah. Small price to pay. Let's do this. Take off your shirt. Let's do the back first. That's what we do. It's the way we do it. Okay. All right. Now turn around. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Holy moly. Look at this. You got like 17 constellations in the Star of David on your back. Holy God in heaven. What do you tell me about this beautiful mosaic back here? This mosaic. Uh, what do your guests normally say? I mean, how can you have a backstory about a mole? A backstory about your back moles is beautiful. I love it. Well, I mean, like, when did they first, like, was they on you when you was born? Did they grow slowly? You know, what are we talking about back there? I actually don't know. I think, I think I've had them all forever, as far as I know. Oh, I bet the ladies just lose their shit, don't they? Whenever you take your shirt off. It's quite, uh, it's quite a turn off. For what most women, about? yeah, they're grossed out by well, it. a crop like that. Don't come along once, but in a lifetime, buddy, that'd be my lead-in. I'd meet a girl I like. I'd take off my shirt, walk in backwards. Uh, okay. Well, in my experience, the women haven't really liked them. So, uh, well, different strokes for different folks, I guess. I, I guess. Okay, listen, I'm paying good money here. So, that, uh, other than that beautiful piece of artwork on your back there, where would you say is your best mole? I want to see your best mole. Well, this one might even be too much for you. I mean, I, I don't know. Hang on a second. It takes me a minute. Okay. Oh, my goodness gracious. Holy moly. Yeah, okay. I, I said it was gross. Huh? Listen, I just got one question. Does that thing, you know, get in the way when you, you know, walk? No, no. You know, when you poop? No, you know. When you make love? No, no, no. When you. Are you talking about running? No. Skipping? Dancing? No, no, no. Yoga? No. When you, you know. When you drive? No. No, listen. When you're putting together like a jigsaw puzzle with your family. Wait a second. Yeah, it's like you're looking for the pieces there, the right piece of the corner, and you just got the little little area, and you can't think of it. You're looking for a blue or something, but all you can think about is brown like that beautiful mole. You're asking if this, this mole, yeah. 
makes me not focus when I'm doing jigsaw puzzles with my family. Yeah. Why would it? It will me. Listen, can I uh, get a picture of that No, thing? you said to look at, not to get Okay, well, thank you again for coming on here. Uh, we'll keep you anonymous like you requested. Everybody, uh, tune in next week for the next edition of Mole Train. Like, I'll give you 50 minutes. Yeah, you, no, no, you said to just look at nothing. I wouldn't have ever agreed with a better picture. No picture, no picture. You probably have some kind of weird mole website. A hundred more dollars. Last Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Dawn of Mantis. Mm. You can find us online at www.dawnofmantis.com. Mm-hmm. Also on Twitter at Dawn of Mantis. Yes. Joe, how's it going tonight? I'm doing well tonight, Ivan. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great. That's good. So any any rants, raves, perceptions. Anything like that that you want to throw in there? Well, I was thinking about you can, as you can see between us, is a bucket of hot wings. Ah, yes. And I thought yes. that we would test drive a new segment on our podcast tonight called "All Wings Considered." All Wings Considered. I love it. Okay, I love it. It sounds kind of familiar, but but it's unique in its own right. Yes. Okay. Uh, tonight, Try this one. Ten, okay, let me see. Mm, that's that's pretty good. Mm, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, undertone. Quite, There's some mesquite flavorful. Mesquite undertones. Yes. Mesquite. Um, would you agree? Um, yes. I'm getting. I'm getting oregano. Yeah. Yes. Oregano. Yes. Um, oregano. A strong oregano. 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 <laughs> Are we done with that? Yeah. We we took that as far as we could. I knocked my coffee cup over. And then they hit pause and the, oregano, oregano, Frank, oregano. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> really really <laughs> we need you to be low-key on this I, I wonder if that's one of the requirements when they hire for mbr it's like come on you know yeah be please be low-key i would love it as soon as the episode is over with when they hit stop or whatever they do and they'd be like all right well, let's go down and get us a goddamn beer i yeah. feel like a bl that's right a bud light <laughs> Because no one, you know, they don't really talk like that. There's no way they do. Yeah, I just wonder if it's one of those things where they want their voice to just—I don't know where where it's where it's uh, just impart some type of mood and some type of hey, we're not gonna, you know, you know, the loudest thing on this channel is gonna be some, uh, you know, symphony orchestra music. We're gonna be under that. Like yes. they probably have, they probably look at the waveforms. Oh, like yes. no, our waveform can't be over that. That is for when the overture hits its, you know, the the most triumphant point yes. where the trumpets are sounding. Like we want to be under that because we don't want to, you know, I don't know. I'm over way over looking at, <laughs> over uh, examining that or whatever that's called. Anyway, 
Uh, anything new? Anything uh, pressing? You, you said you had a story. Uh, oh, man. I didn't <laughs> want to do that again. I'm so sorry. I've got to stop drinking Dr. Pepper. It was on the, the wings. It was the wings. I'm sorry. It's not good. It's not a good start. It's not professional. Uh, did I have a story? What was the story? Oh, I don't know. You said you you were talking about you were considering telling one. Well, listen, I don't. Uh, okay, I'll tell it. Okay, okay, all right. Remember, you wanted this. No, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's tr- it's the truth. Okay, listen. Uh, we live in. Rural Arkansas, rural Arkansas. Yes. And, uh, you know, Ivan and I both have chickens. We have some chickens. Mm -hmm. And don't press pause or skip ahead yet. Just listen to the damn story. It's you'll you'll like it. Probably not. But um, (laughs) so I've got I bought all these baby chickens, about six of them. And the guy said, you know, they're little. We don't know what they are. We don't know if they're boys Mm -hmm. or girls. And I said, fingers crossed. Hope they're all girls. Because The only reason I have these goddamn things is because I want to eat their eggs. So as they grew up, I realized that half of them were roosters. Three hens, three roosters, right? And then the hens quit growing, and the roosters just kept growing and kept growing. And they're just huge. Like, they could stand and toe-to-toe with my Australian shepherd and just look them right in the eye. Okay? So these are like Mr. T roosters, just like, you know, just lifting weights out there with gangster rap going, and they got piercings in their combs and stuff. I'm like, what is going on with these roosters? (laughs) They just got really mean, incredibly mean and huge and jacked. Yeah, yeah. I was threatened the other day when I saw that they all had red rags tied around their <laughs> legs. I was like, what is the deal with that? So, for those that don't know, the way that a rooster fertilizes the egg, and I don't know how this works, but the rooster jumps on the hen's back and pecks the shit out of her and depo- <laughs> and deposits. And he does. And then, I don't know really what happens from there, but then he jumps off and runs away, and she's just kind of there like, what just happened? I remember seeing that in a nature show with, with two birds. Yes. Um, it was uh, uh, Richard, uh, is it Richard or David? Ramirez? Atten- Attenborough. Okay. Is it David or Richard? It's David, I think. Yeah, I think it is. It's David, uh, yeah. I mean, I sh- broadcast legend in that genre. It's David. Yeah, David. <laughs> That's right, it is. I, was, I don't know who Richard Richard Attenborough is. But. Uh, he sells life insurance in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> I'm the best man for the job right here. Uh, anyway, I, I remember one time when he was narrating, he was at and and the, the male bird gets on the female bird yeah. and pecks the shit out of him. <laughs> you know, I remember those You lines. sounded like Doc Brown. <laughs> oh, Marty, we've got him in the car. I can't do it. You did it great. Great school. <laughs> well, he didn't have a, a British accent, though, but so uh, I totally popped out of it. <coughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's a technical term that you just used. It is. That, that all the people in uh, zoology use. Those of you who are not familiar with uh, avian breeds. Did you say peck or claw? Peck. Okay. Okay. And claw as well. Peck and claw. Yes. So, for several weeks now, uh, our hens, the poor girls, they have no feathers left on their backs. You know, their backs are raw and red, and I we live in rural Arkansas. I can't get anybody to take these three roosters, right? They're flogging me. Uh, one of them tried to flog my two-year-old, so I'm like, they got to go. Uh, and everyone's like, I'll kill them and eat them. And I'm like, well, I can't kill stuff. I'm just not one of those guys. I don't kill stuff, right? He's not a killer. No. So uh, I'm trying to give them away. No one wants them. Long story short, I get home from work yesterday. My daughter has one of these hens caught. She's like, Dad, look. And under this poor chicken's wings is just like almost to the bone. The flesh is just gone. They've pecked her so much and clawed her. So it's 
horrific. Yeah. Well, same way on the back of her neck when you lift up her feathers. So we're doctoring her and stuff, and I'm just glaring at the roosters down there. And I'm like, you bastards. And I'm looking at all the other hens, and uh, we brought three more home the day before that. And I'm like, this is what's in store for them. This is terrible, too. So later at that, you know, it's like, okay, at nighttime when, when night falls and they all go in their coop, I'm going to go down there. We'll catch the three roosters, and I don't know what we'll do. I might just drive down a road somewhere and just let them loose. I don't know, but we can't do this anymore, right? They're killing our poor girls. Which, which I think I'll say that you did the more humane thing. And I will, I? I will tell you <laughs> that I think at some point, uh, I'm, I'm still thinking of Velisca. We've done that episode twice now. Yeah, One, well, actually once, but we, we did a uh, replay. We yes. did a rerun. What's a rerun? Yeah. You know, anyway, uh, <laughs> back to future reference. Um, anyway, there is a point where I'll, I'll tell you that you should say, I'll tell you that you should end the story and you should say you did this and that's it. Like, don't. Like, I won't get graphic. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think you did the right thing. Um, but probably no reason for some of our more, more sensitive listeners. Right. Of course, the mm. older I get, the more I become where I'm like, I'll catch a spider. And my wife's like, what's that? It's like, well, this is just a little wolf spider. Or this is just one. Uh, yeah, house spiders. You know, house spider. I do the same thing. And I'll catch them and like yes. clamp my fingers where it can't get out and I'll release it. She's yes. like, why didn't you kill it? It's like, because it's fine. He's not hurting anyone. Yeah. I'm the same he way. He found this wrong place, wrong time. You know, it's like. Just kind of, you know, came out in the middle. I mean, if he had stayed under the bed, we'd have never known. But you, you know? know what? These roosters were hurting people. No, we're yeah, not they people, were, but chickens and and people too. Well, I yeah, mean, they flogged me. They flogged my daughter. Yeah. So I go down there last night just to kind of like maybe I'll catch him. I'm just going to assess the situation. I open up the coop and only the three roosters are in there. I'm like, where's the six hens? So I go out looking around. And they're just out in the wet grass, yeah. in, the, in the dew. That's I was just overcome with rage. Sure, I'm like, you're not even letting these girls roost. Yeah. So then, and I they're knew. roosters. Yes. I mean, do they not understand the word rooster? So I walk to my work truck, and like, they're hens. Even I got but they wo- can't even roost. Yes. It's horrible. They're yeah. out there with their little bloody backs. You know, these roosters just went nuts. They just went. They just de. What do you call it? De-evolved into just like little caveman roosters. They were terrible. (laughs) So I go to my work truck and get my leather gloves. I get a buck knife and I get an axe. And I walk back down and I shut the coop behind me. And uh, is this the part where you said that? Yeah, that's about it. That's that's where I, you know, um, being co-creator, that's where I'll say. Okay. No, but, but. There wasn't a fern in in Charlotte's Web to save them to no. run out and <laughs> this is not this is a horrible injustice. No, I was like, I strike this blow for females all around the world. I I I agree with the decision. I mean, you you tried. It's hard to give those things away, you know, just unless somebody is looking for some yard chickens. But I mean, still, people don't want like. These were mean. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't want... These were mean, man. They were mean. Yeah. Um, and hey, you know, as you're sitting there listening to this with your headphones on, screaming at Joey, put down your KFC bucket for a minute. Yeah, come And on. remember that it's, you know, we're a lot worse things are happening every second Well, to chickens. 
Yeah, I was gonna say if you feel if anyone feels bad, let me know, and I'll take some pictures of my poor hens and put on the website. Yeah, and you won't feel. Oh, you'll be like, oh my god, of course you did, of course. Oh my god, yeah, no, it's no, horrible. That's why I'm letting. That's horrible. why. Well, not letting you. That's why I agreed to let you tell the story because it's like, uh, you know, I, I think that justice. You know, not that you're proud of it. You're not proud that you killed him. It's just it happened. Well, and no, it, it, and it was necessary. It's, it, it's like it's like the the firing line. You have all the people in the firing line, and one person has the bullet. They don't know which one does. The rest of people have blanks, so they don't know which one is the killer. So you just needed some more people, um, so that way you wouldn't have the guilty con- guilty conscience. You know? Yeah, like who was the real killer? Well, and you know, know, I've uh, you can count. I've I don't kill animal. I don't hunt. You yeah. know, I don't judge people that do, but I don't. Yeah, and sure. uh, I just don't kill stuff. But so when I come back up to the house, you know, my wife was like, are you okay? Like, how do you feel about that? And honestly, I was like, it had to be done. I've, yeah, I felt fine. Yeah. I didn't like it. It had to be done. Um, I felt good. Yeah. She's like, did this open up something in you? Yeah. Like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Let's get some more (laughs) rest. No. Had to be done. Look, it was literally only a matter of time until one of them, like, seriously hurt my, my baby girl. Oh, yeah. It, it was horrible. They yeah. were mean bastards. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was my story. You got any stories? No. No. Hadn't killed anything. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, now you're judging me. <laughs> no, no. I, I actually, I totally 100% agree with that. That's what needed done with those guys. Yeah. Fry them up. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so... What do we got this week? You know, this week has everything to do with what we just spoke about. Not oh. really. It doesn't have anything at all. As <laughs> Does it have anything to do with anything we've said? No. Moles? No. NPR? Nope. Chickens? Nope. Wings? Nope. Oh, man. Nothing. Oh, hey. Oh, that's funny that we opened up with the wings. Yeah, that MP- is I didn't even funny. think about that. that no, was, I, I thought we were segueing into that. No, I had That just dawned on me. <laughs> we're flying right into it. <laughs> Yeah, that just dawned on me. No, so we're doing the another disappearance. Oh, where on earth is Rico Harris? Rico Harris. Now, are you? You're a basketball fan. Uh, I used to be. I mean, I, I still kind of like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I, you probably, unless you're maybe a college ball fan, you would not have heard of Rico Harris because uh, he did not make it into the NBA. Okay. Uh, if you're a Harlem Globetrotter fan, oh, he yeah. was a Globetrotter for I've a short I've actually time. seen the Globetrotters Have one you? time when I was a kid. Yeah, they came to our school, awesome. dribbled around. I don't think it was the main ones. I think it was like a, like, I think there's like different, I mean, it might have been the main ones, but uh, it just seemed like to me it was like the one-offs, you know? Oh, yeah. They were still good and stuff, <laughs> but it, it didn't. Are you see- sure they weren't like the... The Schnob trot, the, the yeah. Schnob slaughters, just the like an off. South Harlem <laughs> uh, Earth dribblers, yeah, yeah. In Harlem, there's probably like a Harlem, Georgia, or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, okay. I mean they were good. I, they probably were, but I just I, for some reason I've always thought about it, and I don't think they were the main ones because I knew some of the main ones, some of their names I've forgotten now, and it wasn't any of those guys. So I wonder if it's like they have like 20 of them and 10 are like the stars that do the main circuit. I don't know. Hey, if any of you guys are globetrotter experts, email <laughs> us and uh, let us know uh, what, where, where I'm, uh, if I'm right or wrong on this thing. I will, I was going to say shave my head. I already, I've already done that. <laughs> if there's an, if there's such thing as a globetrotter expert. Um, I guarantee there are. They, they 
they are really impressive. What am I saying? There's probably a there's probably eleven Globetrotter podcasts on just there might be one the history, yeah, and the globe, yeah, I'm sure there is. I still remember the song. Da, 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 I remember da, that. Da, da, da. And that song is uh, I forgot the name of the song. Dang it! I used to know it. It's an it's an old like jazz tune, I think. Really, but not jazz. Like big band stuff. Yeah, I can hear that. Forties, forties big band stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I used to know what it was called. I'll Google it and find. Google it. Yeah. So yeah, this fellow Rico Harris. Uh, do you want me to go ahead and get in? Get yeah, in go it? ahead. I'll, I'll I'll pop back in. Yeah, you just answer. cut me off. So first off, as usual, we're, it helps to get to know this guy before, or else you don't care if he goes missing, right? If I'm just like, hey, Rico Harris went missing, and you're no one cares. Yeah, let's get to know this let's guy. Get to know him. So he was born on May nineteenth, nineteen seventy seven, in Los Angeles, and his parents' names were Henry and Margaret Harris. Now, the family of three moved to Oregon for a short time before returning back to L.A., where the couple had three more children. Henry has been described as attentive and loving for the most part, but also fostered a violent temper and would sometimes be abusive to his family. For whatever reasons, Rico often caught the brunt of this abuse, and Margaret eventually left Henry, having all four kids with her. Despite the abuse and the limited contact after the divorce, Rico still craved his father's praise and acceptance. You see, back in the day, Henry, that is, had been quite the athlete and even played on a semi-pro basketball league in Los Angeles. As Rico hit his teens, it was evident that he, too, was going to be a good basketball player. He used his father's address to enroll at Temple City High School and quickly became their team's most outstanding player. By this time, he stood a towering six foot eight. This, plus his dominance on the court, was already causing people to consider him an NBA level talent. Mm -hmm. After high school, he attended a state community college where he was the team MVP and led them to a championship. Did you find out? I did. It's called Sweet Georgia Brown. That's what it's called. Uh, This is a. Let me skip forward a little bit. There's got to be somewhere where it's like playing like the main. It part. never had words. Uh, I don't. Believe, I don't believe so. Brown. Uh, let me go to the main part. Why the little gal? <laughs> Ass as wide as a tank. Yes, George Brown. That's jazz. Here you go. I still don't hear that main part. That's the signature <laughs> part, but that's what it said on Google. All right. Well, that has Sweet to be true. Georgia Brown. There weren't any other things on there. So, okay. yeah. So uh, that's what it is. Pretty cool. So on the heels of this success, UCLA offered Rico a scholarship. However, the opportunity was missed when he came short of the required SAT score and was thus ineligible. Rico had struggled with school before, both academically and socially, but had worked hard and achieved a 3.0 GPA. He he instead went to Arizona State, but far away from friends and family, he continued to struggle academically. More bad luck came in March of 1996, when two women accused Rico and two fellow teammates uh, of having forced them into various sex acts against their will. But when police separated the women and questioned them again, their stories did not match and the case quickly fell apart the charges were dropped and rico and his teammates were cleared but unfortunately were told by the school they'd have to sit out next season regardless hmm. which makes me super upset yeah if you're cleared you're cleared right <clears throat> yeah and i've said this on other episodes if 
if a woman or man, if anyone accuses someone of something like that, and it is completely proven later that it was absolute BS, yeah, that person should have to to face some some type of charges, some sure. type of false accusation charges. Sure. I guess probably the way I look at it though is it really ever is anything ever in a court setting is it really ever where you just feel like well he was found innocent so a hundred percent of me unless it's some kind of dna exoneration type thing yeah but uh i just i just don't know if anything's ever really proven because all that stuff with the rape allegations is it's usually some kind of setting where there's just no kind of hard evidence so that's why that subject is so tough yeah because it's like you just never know for sure uh even if even if you're pretty sure you know it's like there's just not uh i don't know for me it's like if you you know if 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 some guy is like trying to come on to you it's like in today in the cell phone age it's like get on your just put it on video camera and just hit record and just get the audio there you go and just like show you refusing if you really wanted I mean, get some evidence because you're going to need it because you just never know. Hell, go to Facebook Live. Yeah. Be like, hey, buddy, you're being watched by however many people. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And I'm saying no. But then but then again, then some hotshot defender could be like, well, that's entrapment or, you know, I don't know. Hang on a second. Oh, I love that's your ringtone. Yeah, that's my ringtone. That's so cool. It's so unprofessional that I'm getting a call right now, but well, I'm, you know, I'm going to show you my ringtone. Anyway. That's awesome. He I'll, man. I'll call him back. You're talking about unprofessional. I opened the episode with a be- with a belch. Yeah, but it's not a stupid demon box ringing. Yeah, but still, man. That's <laughs> That came from your voice box. <laughs> but you know what? Speaking of, so there was a case that happened a year not too long ago, a year or two ago. Where this gal, I think the old, the guy she was with was quite a bit older, but he was a millionaire. It was a, you know, trophy wife type situation. Oh, uh, okay. And she was trying to accuse him of uh, having abused her. And she has all these bruises she shows up with. And she's trying to sue him and then get all this money. Uh, she ended up having, or he ended up having a, uh, and I don't know why she didn't know about this, a security system in his house. Oh. this is, You can look it up. There is literally footage of her, I think I've mentioned this before, punching herself in oh, the wow. face. Well, that's. No, I stand corrected because I said you never really know, unless it's something like that, which good for that guy. Very rare, but yeah. yeah. And you know that guy when you know he's accused, and he's yeah. like, oh my God, my life is over. <laughs> I didn't touch this gal. What am I going to do? Yeah. And then he happens to see that. You know, he's yeah. like, oh, you crazy bitch. Yeah, no, that's- Here we yeah, go. That's, that's awesome that she's busted. Anytime someone's busted, I just got done watching that, uh, An Honest Liar. The, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome, him busting- uh, Peter Popoff and all those people. Oh yeah, he's talking about uh, the amazing Randy. By the yeah, way, yeah, amazing Randy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, anytime someone can get busted like that is amazing. So, uh, uh, but sadly, those guys went on to still do what they do. Oh, they still do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still anyway, selling that miracle spring so, water. Yeah. So because uh, there's nothing, I guess, inherently illegal about what they were doing, which it should be, but you can't get like a religious service and you can't like, I don't know, I guess you could do some kind of class action suit, but those people aren't going to do it because they're believers. It'd be so open to interpretation because what they're saying is like, send me seed money and you'll be blessed. 
Well, the deal with the recordings, uh, or the... Oh, you're talking about the fraudulent... Yeah, 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 yeah where he would... Where we, we spoofed it on this podcast. Yeah, uh, go back and listen to our televangelist podcast Actually, episodes. go back and listen to our best... We, we do all our skits in its episode. We just go back and uh, revisit all of those and put them all on one podcast, all our opening craziness. Uh, let me let me look up the episode number. I think while it's we're seventy-two or something. seventy-two. That sounds right. Seventy-two. Yeah, that sounds right. Seventy-two. So, check it out. Yeah. Episode seventy-two. Um, we make fun of uh, fraudulent um, people with mics in their ears. Yeah, they would have them. Basically, Our, the the audience when they showed up, they would fill out these little card information cards. And then Peter Popoff would say, oh, I'm somebody here. And, then, you know, if they had an ailment, they would write it down. Somebody here has cancer. You know, when you live in <laughs> you live in Minnesota, then he would spout off their address and they would stand up and, oh, my God, you know. Uh, and, and he had an earpiece and his wife was feeding him the information. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. But I've always wondered if the prayer cards, I never read that the prayer cards were filled out there. I wonder if they were sent in and they were set, they said, they're going to be in the congregation. Maybe, oh, okay. maybe it's like a little questionnaire that said, because maybe it'd be more believable if it was like, if it was done like days before. You yeah, because you think before. I filled out this card twenty minutes ago. Yeah, I, I was just here. thinking maybe, maybe the reason, maybe I had a little bit more faith in humanity if it was filled out like a long time before, yeah, like a few weeks before or something and mailed in, and they were like maybe somewhere on the card it was like when you're going to visit us and they're like, Oh, we'll be there May 25th. You know, that would be, that would be a risky deal. Cause who knows if they're actually going to show up and then they're, they're calling out that information in front of 10,000 people. True. And then no one stands up. That looks bad. Yeah, that's true. So I wonder if they filled them out. They probably the fill them out right there. That makes more sense. It's sad though. It's, yeah. it's more sad that way. Huh? Anyway. Cause you just want to shake the people and go, you just filled this out and put it in a box out there. Well, he does shake them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Demon be free. Yeah. I like the guy that hits him with the coat. Yeah. Oh, what was his name? I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway. I can't remember that. Ben, is that Benny Hinn? Was that yeah, Benny Yeah, Hinn? yeah, Hinn. Benny Hinn. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, back to Rico Harris, people. Whatever. <laughs> Instead of uh, waiting out the season, Rico chose to return to Los Angeles and enrolled at Los Angeles City College. Uh, he was once again the star of the team, shooting three-pointers, leading the fast break with no-look passes, and faking out other big men under the basket. Yeah. Not a clue what any of that means. Well, no-look pass, you're looking left, you throw it right. Okay. Actually, you could kind of you could kind of indicate that you're going to go left with it, and all you need in a high-energy high, you know, uh, game where people are running around really fast, all you need is someone to lean left or to their right and then you throw it to the right, and then that's the that's the opening that guy needs to get around him and score easy. You want you want high percentage shots, man. That's okay. the key to the game. High percentage shots. That's a dunk. That's a layup. That's that's why you're getting all these openings. That's why no look passes. That's why they. That's that's why you know. That's why the Bulls were so good when they had Jordan. They they just had a really good team that they're really good passers, where you're giving somebody else an opportunity. Um, and, and and just a little bit of an opening to where they can get in and make a high percentage shot. So that's what it's all about. Plus, they're good shooters, even if they were shooting from outside too. Um, anyway, that's that's kind of my analysis. So I'm glad I'm glad you're here because I'm like, yeah, then that enables them to get in there in the end zone there. And, uh, 
<laughs> and get that goal. You're smarter about that stuff than you think you are. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was big into basketball for a while. Awesome. Okay, well then we will utilize that knowledge in right. this episode. All right. NBA scouts began attending games, hoping that Harris might consider foregoing his college career entirely once he was old enough. Rico led the LACC to a 30-6 and six record season. Amazing. And that's really good. And led the school to their first state title, a game in, in which Harris was named the championship tournament's most valuable player. Awesome. So, in other words, phenomenal basketball player. Yeah. Oh, Even yeah. Even I know that. Yeah. Shortly after, Rico signed a letter of intent to attend the and play ball for the University of Rhode Island. But midway through the semester, Rico stopped taking one of the required classes needed to pass and was thus ineligible to transfer to a four-year school. It is unknown why he seemingly deliberately squandered his chance to play for Rhode Island, but some surmise that he had grown weary of relocating and failed the class to avoid having to move to the East Coast far away from his hometown friends and family. Yeah, on purpose. Yeah, that's very plausible. Yeah, it seems like he was very... Anytime he was away from them was not good. Yeah. Uh, some people are just like that. They, they have to be rooted, I guess. Sure. Yeah. It was at this point that Rico's partying and drinking seemed to ramp up. He continued to play ball for LACC and could still score points, but his behavior on and off the court became disruptive. He was even suspended once for six games and was frequently, frequently at odds with his coach and teammates. Throughout all this, Rico continued to flirt with moving to other schools, such as UConn and again at Rhode Island, but Rico ultimately turned them down in lieu of staying close to home. In 1998, he declared himself uh, eligible, I guess, or he declared himself for the NBA draft and was invited by scouts to a pre-draft camp in Chicago for only high-regarded prospects. What does that mean? When you declare yourself. Well, that's just basically, if you have any eligibility left in college, basically you're foregoing that and you're saying, hey, instead of going to my senior year, I'm going to go to the draft. Okay. And uh, um, a lot of times they sign with an agent when they do that. And um, it used to be to where if you did that, that was the big thing where you couldn't get, you couldn't go right back to college if something didn't work out well for you. Okay. Um, But yeah, basically they're like, hey, I'm, if you guys are interested, I'd like to play in some games and work out. And, you know, a lot of times they, uh, that, well, actually all the time they take them in and they do, it's, it's a business. So, I mean, they have numbers on you. They, they have you do a 40 yard dash. They have you do your, they get your vertical jump. They do all this stuff and they have all this stuff charted out. So these teams can make these decisions like, Hey, let's get this guy. I mean, he's, his stats are incredible. He's kind of a sleeper. Uh, it's somebody that, some other teams might pass up and we'll get them on pick five or whatever. Cool. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, uh, it's a pretty crazy, it's a pretty great, I mean, it's a big business and, and there are some people that are very good at it, uh, finding those, um, you know, future stars. And those are the scouts. Yeah. The scouts and the, the, you know, they work for the, the teams and, you know, assistant coaches that really they help coach, but they really help scout. I mean, and you got, you got managers and, and owners that some owners are better than others that or some, some are more hands-off than others. Some are real hands-on and they're like, Hey, I want that guy. I want that guy. And it, a lot of times it pays off, pays off for them, but some are real hands-off to where they're, they trust their scouts and their coaches to make those decisions. I mean, it's, it takes all kinds obviously, but it's pretty interesting. I used to get in all that too. I, I, I'd have like, I guess that's probably like, 
probably in my early 20s, like whenever the NBA draft ha- came out, like I had my top 10 who I thought was going to be pick- – this guy's going to this team and this guy's going – they need a big man and this guy's going to – you know, they got the fourth pick, so this guy's going to go. Oh, wow. This, you know, and, and I, I got a lot of that from experts already, you know, reading the papers and stuff, but uh, sometimes I was right and I was really blown away when I was right. So, is there betting that exists on the draft? And, and oh, I would that? imagine. I bet there is. I would imagine, but the only problem is if it would ever get to any big-time money, you couldn't protect it. Because if it got big enough, some assistant coach that knows, oh, since, yeah. or some agent that knows, I mean, all they'd have to do is right. tell their brother-in-law, hey, bet you know, 10000 on this, and yeah, I'll take half. That was a so, silly idea. Because no, but I mean, I bet, I bet there's probably just regular guys doing it. Yeah, because it's know? not like a game. Yeah, exactly. It's a predict. It's like, yeah, of course, we'll hire him. Yeah. I yeah. Guess, yeah. Yeah. That was but a fun I'm, I, no, I bet, I bet it happens. I bet. I bet it happens. I bet I can have you gambling by the end of the, by the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not going to win that bet. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was 98, and uh, he declared himself for the NBA draft, and he was invited to uh, a pre-draft camp in Chicago for highly regarded prospects. But again, Rico withdrew at the last minute, which I've done a few times. No, I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> He's talking uh, yeah. about at the at the uh, bowling alley. He was <laughs> Joe was in this tournament, and he and he backed out all because he had a a wooden right hand. He didn't think it would work. <laughs> okay, not oh he withdrew at the last minute, not only from the camp but from the draft altogether. He, signed he must have not signed with an agent like I was talking about earlier. No, I, no. He signed with an agent. I don't think he can go back. No. Um, he cited a lack of confidence that he was uh, ready for the challenge. So finally, Rico settled at Northridge, a small state school closer to his home. He continued to score well, but his drinking and bad behavior followed. And after multiple uh, suspensions, Rico was not reinstated for the following season. He would never play college basketball again. That's so crazy. He went to such a small school. I want to, yeah. I mean, to go to the, I mean, that's not even someone I've really ever even heard of. To almost be drafted and just to go to that little school, I mean, there had to be something going on. You told a story uh, way back on one of the earlier episodes of the podcast. Help me out here. It was something where you were like right on the brink of, you had the chance to like be the big hero, but you felt like... You, I remember you saying this is not for me or something, and you like purposefully. Are you talking about just on the playground? Maybe like, that was it. Was something simple like that, and then I had one similar with yeah, yeah. Whereas running the football and and like I didn't really play sports much then. I I got into it later, but I ended up playing with the bigger kids out on the playground, and you know, all of a sudden I found myself. I had an opening, and they gave me a the ball, and I. And I actually ran past a kid that I didn't think I could get past. Right. And I had the opening to score. And then I just threw the ball down. Like, acted like I fumbled it into the end zone. Uh, which, Doesn't that which, sound like... Uh, yeah. Self, I mean, I mean that's a, a, you know, a, a longer process, not an instant type thing where right. you instantly um, sabotage yourself. It sounds like you have that same mindset, like... He just had it in his mind. He maybe didn't realize how good he was, and he's like, I don't deserve this, or I don't. Yeah. It's almost like self-sabotage. Sure. 
It's like the story because when you, I remember this story like what you just told, and then that reminded me of when I was in high school, or maybe it was uh, where it was. I think it was I was uh, maybe twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Anyway, it was the wrestling thing, right? Yeah, it was where we were in gym class. And we did this thing where you put your you lay down on your back on the floor and you lay you put your hands under kind of your tailbone. Okay, and then you lift up your ankles like a plank, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. All the kids lined up in the class and and we were gonna see who could hold the plank the longest. Yeah. And kids start dropping off one by one. And I was no athlete, trust me. But for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I was able to do this. And so at the end of the whatever, it was me and this other kid, Cody, who happened to be like the most, he was the popular kid. Okay. Like the most popular kid in school from what I remember, our grade. And so I remember that it was just me and him. And of course, down there on my end, I have like one or two of my nerd friends that are down there like, oh my God, this is crazy. You know, I'm like, no, it's crazy. And then he had the entire rest of the class around him, plus the coach all cheering him on. (laughs) And I remember the coach going, are you going to let Joey beat you? Are you going to let Joey beat you? Like, oh, like you'll hang yourself. Tell me that guy. Please tell me that coach got out of education. Oh, I think he still teaches there. Oh my goodness. Or coaches there. That's so that's, that's one reason I got an education. At least I could cancel out one person like that <laughs> who would pick a favorite. Yeah. And then in front of everyone. Yeah, that is that's idiotic. I mean, I don't even understand that that thought process. I don't I mean, you're just a bad person. You're just a terrible person. Forget empathy. You you can't understand empathy. You, that person can't I mean, it's hard. It's hard to grasp the concept of that. It's just a ra- every everyday person, but that person's not even one percent the way there. Maybe they're better now. You know, this was like twenty five years ago. Maybe they're. I mean, uh, I hope so. I hope maybe something happened in their life. I'm not saying that want a tragedy, but maybe a close call. Maybe something <laughs> happened. Maybe their house burned down and they got everything out and all their people out. Yeah. But maybe they lost all their stuff and maybe that, well, that could have been, that could have been us. I'm going to be different now. Well, the long story short. It's, it's too Hollywood though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But you, but you backed out. I had gas. I, know what you're I had gas in the tank. I could have went longer, but you know, I was just like, you know what? I just, I don't know. I felt like, like you said, I like, this is not for me. I don't, I just, I just let my feet drop. And of course, everyone down at the other end went nuts and. And uh, my friends were all like, oh, you almost had him. I'm like, yeah, almost. Yeah. It's yeah. just one of those weird things. It's hard to even explain how, what I was feeling. But I was just like, yeah, this this is, I'm not that guy. Hey, tell me if this helps. There's a movie called Every Which Way But Loose yeah. with Clint Eastwood. You've seen it, right? It's been forever, but Okay, yeah. so he, uh, I'll spoil the end. So if you ever want to watch that movie, um, stop now and forward just a minute or so. Uh, he's a He's a street fighter. He's a street boxer yes. and he goes around gambling him. He, you know, these rings where people gamble on these just regular guys that fight each other. And, uh, you know, he, he's just like almost unbeatable. Everyone he fights, he, you know, it goes back and forth, but eventually, you know, he beats the hell out of them and wins. Um, but at the very end, he, they, 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 well, I mean, throughout the whole movie, they're, they're talking about this guy tank, this guy named tank. 
like, oh, you know, you're going to work your way up and fight Tank. If, if you if you really want to be a, a real boxer, you got to fight this guy Tank. He's a legend or whatever. So he finally gets to him, and it's this, this kind of chubby guy. <laughs> I mean, and it's close for a minute, but he gets uh, Clint Eastwood's character, Philo Biddo is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ev- he eventually gets to the point where you're like, okay, yeah, he's going to beat him now, you know. But then he kind of looks around, and the crowd's like, I remember some of the crowds like, oh, man, Tank's going to get beat. Oh, no. You know, yeah, this is the end of his career, you know. And he hears all this stuff, and he starts to feel bad, and he lets him beat him. He lets the Tank guy beat There's a spoiler. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but he lets the guy beat him. So, I mean, it, don't you think that's kind of the mentality? Like, you could have almost sunk the legend. Yeah. And think about how many sad people there would have been. I wonder if that went into your mind. Like, all these people are going to be sad. Yeah, you and know me and my two friends will be happy for five minutes, but then we're going to go back and listen to In Utero, and we're going to be fine. You know, we're we're not going to worry about this, <laughs> but they're going to be crushed. And then I'm going to start some kind of little feud thing where this guy he sees me at the the Dairy Queen, and he's going to want to fight me. And then, like, I'm going to win a little bit, but then his friends are going to come in and like kick me in the nards <laughs> and then he's gonna get me and beat me and then the whole legend's gonna be like he beat me by himself but he really just you know i don't know see imagine the road you could have went down with that you know the ending of that movie reminds me of mike tyson's last professional fight where he went in there and you could see i don't remember his opponent's name but his opponent beat him okay and it was. It's so sad. After the fight, they interview Mike Tyson. He didn't look like Iron Mike coming. No, out there. no, no. I remember all that. Yeah, and you know he's just so dejected. And they were like, "What do you feel?" And he's like, "He's like, I'm just not. I don't know. I'm just not. He. I'm just not an animal anymore. That's what he said. Yeah. And they said, "Do you? Will you be fighting again after this?" And he goes, "No." It was just so yeah. sad. But you can see on his opponent, his opponent comes up and hugs him almost in tears. Yeah, because he destroyed. Like yeah. the amazing Iron Mike, but it wasn't it wasn't Mike anymore. Yeah, it, you know there man, was a lot of stuff. Didn't his trainer like he had a different trainer and somebody so died much. and stuff like that? So much, but I tell you what, Mike Tyson today is an absolute, completely reborn and remade human being. It's it's amazing. Yeah, if you uh, get a chance. From, from what I've heard, he sells uh, cannabis project. He does uh, products. He does, um, and he. He deals in pounds is what I've heard <laughs> or not deals like his like complex. Like they'll go through pounds of it. Just yeah. not. I don't I'm not I don't think he deals in pounds and not illegally. By, by the right. Way. But I mean, I've heard his little complex things on something else like pounds is yeah. what they use. Yeah. He is such a laid back, like meditating, yoga, positive He's, thinking. Yeah. It's nuts, man. It's, yeah. it's such a cool transformation. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I want anyone to, yeah, anyone to have that what he has. Yes. Because okay. he's very introspective now. For he sure. is now. Uh, if yeah. you have a chance, watch him. He was on Rogan a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, he actually, Mike Tyson's Mysteries is actually a pretty good cartoon. Oh, that's a good, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Norm MacDonald plays the pigeon. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's actually a pretty good cartoon. It's kind of making fun of Scooby-Doo. Okay, yeah. okay. That's kind of got the Scooby-Doo art. That's awesome. But it's way more adult. He's got a YouTube channel now, too, where he does little funny parody videos. Oh, yeah, that's you cool. You need to I've watch. Never... Yeah. Oh, the recent, I think the recent, the most recent one is something about Mike Tyson is my neighbor, and it shows Mike out there watering his plants, and his neighbor pulls up, and he's trying to carry groceries in, and Mike's like, hey, 
hey, and it's like the guy is trying to avoid him. And Mike's like, hey, man, come over here. And the guy comes over. He's like, man, come inside and play, come inside and play some D&D with me, man. Or I think it's a video game. And he's like, Mike, I got to get in. He's like, oh, come on, man. Be the best. Let me make you a sandwich. Let me make you a sandwich. I feel like that's the way it'd really be. So he, Mike Tyson intimidates him into coming in and he brings him this sandwich, which is just a piece of bread and literally like 17 inches of cheese. <laughs> and, then, and Mike Tyson's like, this recipe's been in my family for like 2,000 years. Eat that. It's the best sandwich you ever had in your life. It's so funny, man. I, I'm not doing it any justice, but just no, watch that. It's check it out. so it sounds, funny. The premise of it sounds awesome. Yeah, and that's it's because awesome. it's Iron Mike. It's so, it's so great. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I need to check those out. I will for sure. So back to Rico. Rico. Uh, following in his father's footsteps, Rico went on to play semi-pro ball. First for the International Basketball League's San Diego Stingrays and then for the St. Louis Storm. Although it's generally agreed that he was drinking less during this time and was working to get his game back in hopes of NBA scouts uh, might still be interested, Rico soon quit playing semi-pro ball as well. But he wasn't totally done with basketball just yet, and his next gig surely came as a big surprise to those who knew him. And we talked about this a little bit in the beginning. In the spring of 2000, Rico joined the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, all right, there we go. His skills were ideal for the Globetrotter shows, and he seemed to have found his niche. However, only one month after joining the team, he was out driving with a girlfriend in South Los Angeles when he got into an argument with a group of people. Like as Rico was his own worst enemy, it seems like. Sure. He jumped out of his car to confront them and was ambushed from behind and struck in the back of the head with a baseball bat. Despite the blow, he was able to return to his car and flee the scene, but the damage had been done. He began to suffer from terrible headaches and had trouble keeping his balance. Because of this, Rico had to leave the Harlem Globetrotters, and his his basketball career was officially over. He moved back in with his mother, had no job, and still suffered the after effects of the more than likely undiagnosed concussion caused by the baseball bat. All this at just 24 years old. Golly. Poor so, guy, but, you know, as you get older, you start realizing, like, you know, my my – my biggest thing where I get angry now is when somebody drives too fast down my road. And so the other day I was out there just kind of dribbling the basketball and this guy drove down the road really fast. And I took this basketball and I was like, I'm going to throw it at this girl's car. I'm going to throw him. I'm going to do it. And so I'm like, I'm like, I could hit it. I know I can. And so I draw back and I, I don't do it. And I, I, I have this like premonition in my head and it plays out. It's like, the guy stops, backs up, and he's like, hey, what what the, what the F, you know? Yeah. And so we start getting in this little, like, heated, and he gets out of his car and comes over. You know, this is all in my mind. It's like, and then the guy's like, oh, yeah, I guess you want to fight then. And I'm thinking, I'd have to say, no, I don't want to fight. <laughs> I mean, because I'm just thinking, like, I don't think I would ever fight someone. I mean, I, they're obviously, yeah, there's probably extenuating but in that circumstance i was so mad i i mean i wouldn't be defending i mean not directly i'm kind of defending my kids because it's a side street and they're driving down the road really fast but but to me it's like that's not worth fighting i mean there there would be you know something that would make me want to fight oh something would for everybody yeah but but. what i'm just saying is like i would think that i i could hopefully if a guy said I want to fight. I would say, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not a caveman. I don't want to fight. 
You know, like, but you threw a basketball at my car. Yeah, but I know, I know. But I mean, yeah. it's it's it's. Of course, I didn't even do that. Right. But I mean, it's just like, for one thing, you just get to where you're like, well, let's fight, and you have a bloody no- bloody nose, and I have nothing, and so I win. So what does that mean? Does that mean you walk back to your car and you just sit down and you're like, okay, you got me and you just drive off. <laughs> and did that solve it? Did that solve anything? Like yeah. speed down my road again. You get another bloody nose. You know, it's like, buddy. yeah, buddy. I don't know. I, I just, I just hope, I just hope I'm right. I just don't, don't think I would. I, I think that'd be the last, you know, I just, it just doesn't solve anything. That's I'll never forget. This was just in grade school, but there was uh, this girl named Jessica that I liked, not my wife because I didn't know her for a way after that. But uh, and so this other boy named Chris liked her, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I know, he's still in jail for robbing a bank. Oh yeah, or maybe he's out now. I don't know. Yeah, but I'll never Shout forget. Out. Shout out. To Chris. Yeah, he was an okay guy. Never had a problem with him. And it's yeah. weird because he wasn't even angry when he said it. But he came up to me one day and he said, "I heard you like Jessica," and I said, "Would you hear that?" You know, obviously, first off, no, I don't. But you hear that? And he's like, well, I just heard. He's like, I like her, too. And I was like, okay. And he goes, I'll fight you for her. And I, and I was like, no, I don't want to do that. But, I, like, after the fact, I thought about, like, what was that going to, like, what do you mean you'll fight? What were we going to do? Were we going to beat the shit out of each other and then go present our bloody faces to her? And then she would be like, oh, my God. Maybe that what does happen. The only way that would make sense is if she was in on it. You'd have to say, wait, okay, hang on. Now, listen, if we fought and I beat him up, would you like me then? You know. And if the answer was yes, I'd be like, you're a sociopath. Yeah, I don't want right, to be with you right. anyway because that's freaking yes, I disturbing. I want to be with whoever can make the other one's nose the bloodiest. Yeah. That's the one I want. It's like, well, enjoy your career as a psycho. A, a, I was going to say, was gonna say sh- psycho and then socio. No, that works. A psychopath. <laughs> it's a combination of the two that I just made up. No, I like it. Yeah, you you get that. That's your... But you, that's... Uh, that goes back that to, to the urban dictionary. I've heard girls say, well, not since high school, because hopefully they grew out of it, but they would be with some guy and be like, yeah, Johnny kicks mass. He's badass. He'll get... And like... You just want to say like, oh, well, let me know how, how it works out with your black eye in the trailer park later. You're based on how much you like this guy on how good he is at fighting people. You freaking idiot. You like, can I think don't get that you can think John Locke and the other people that pre, uh, you know, pre fathers of our company or company country oh, founding fathers. That Freudian slip there, buddy company. No, go ahead. What are you saying? It's all about money. Uh, most of it. So anyway, uh, but uh, he was kind of a theorist that talked. He was kind of one of those people that uh, melded or molded democracy. And and one of his points was that in to have a civilized society, you have to give away some of that aggressiveness and some of that tendency to like protect your own self. You have to give some of that away. Now, this could be this could be a big debate, and people will come in and you know NRA. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying anything about that. No, what I'm no, saying no. is, I mean, we obviously we have to give away some of those things, so we can't just make our own decisions and go do whatever we want. I mean, we have to do that to be more civilized. So, uh, but back to your original points, like, uh, yeah, I mean, if we were, you know, we were birds and we had a nest full of eggs maybe the female bird would want a male bird that would, Hey, we need someone strong to protect the eggs. You know, that totally makes sense. Yeah. You don't need that now. You need someone smart 
to where they can use the law to their, you know. Yeah, it's like, like oh, I've read some law books. Johnny can kick some ass, but my Tom knows how escrow works and has a 401k. That's right. Yes. So Johnny could kick Tom's ass. Yeah, but talk to me when it's retirement time and y'all are selling beer That's cans right. for money. That's right. Aluminum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't thought about that at all. Johnny kicks some ass. Someone look at us sideways at the rib crib. He went over there and knocked her tooth out. Johnny can kick some ass. I don't know. I just don't get it. Anyway. Billy, Billy can kick some ass in the stock market. <laughs> That's why we His drive a Tesla. is diversified. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So feeling hopeless, dejected, and unsatisfied, Rico spun down the drain for the next few years. Between 2001 and 2007, he faced 16 cases in L.A. County Superior Court on a number of charges, including public intox, burglary, and trespassing, and was constantly in and out of jail. He was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but stopped taking medication because he didn't like how it made him feel. But shortly after turning 30, he finally started to change for the better. After overdosing on prescription meds, Rico entered rehab. Over the next few years, he slowly worked at and completed the program. Once finished, he moved in with a fellow rehab graduate and got a job working security detail at a homeless shelter in the nearby town of Bell and worked as a cook for the Salvation Army. He also worked security with Alatua, I think, Lilo, at underground parties in L.A. for 25 bucks an hour. He was fairly dependable but began disappearing, sometimes for five or six days at a time. Rico loved to drive, and he would randomly take off on long road trips across Nevada, California, and Arizona. He said that this was to clear his head, and he uh, always showed back up, though, so you know everyone just kind of accepted it. Yeah. Hey, I like that he turns stuff around. Yeah. It's but, funny, though, that he could just five or six day. Like, if I'm gone 10 minutes longer than I said I was going to be at the store, you know. Yeah, but like, you can blame the demon boxes for that. <laughs> you can't do anything for very long before someone's like, I tried to call you four times. Yeah. It's like, well, I didn't take my phone with me. What? what? Wait, you went somewhere without it? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I was just on the charger, so I went up and we went to Fayetteville and did... You went all the way to Fayetteville without your phone. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I did. I get that a lot. Yeah, because I'll just I'll. <laughs> I texted you two hours ago. Yeah, my I left my phone in yeah. the truck. Yeah, how could you do that for that long? Yeah, I don't give a shit about yeah. it. I don't really want to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know the people that you're cool with, present company included, of course. Yeah, like it's like yeah, they'll read it later. Yeah, and they'll get back. Sometimes I'll text you at nine in the morning about something. You answer me the next night and vice versa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and it's, it's okay. totally fine. You know why? Because you got a job, a family, hobbies, a toddler. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to be okay. I know you'll answer. It's you, fine. Sometimes, sometimes I get up and I just, I leave the phone in there on the charger and I don't even take it with me because all I'm going to do is like stare at it and yeah. like, well, I got to... I got to look at the weather. I wonder what the weather's going to do today. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I got to see what breaking news happened overnight. Oh, I got to check my Reddit post and see if anyone liked it. It's like, <laughs> but then, but then you almost feel free when you, I mean, we talk about this stuff all the time. So yeah. Like, so a lot of times I just leave it. As do I. Yep. Do that more people. Yes. Okay. So this brings us to the last phase of Rico Harris's life. At Uh-oh. least the last one that we know of. Yeah. He's still alive somewhere, but maybe. It was now 2012, and Rico was doing uh, well still. He was staying sober and still working. 
So it was that at this time that he met a girl named Jennifer Song, who was visiting California from her native Seattle. The two began a relationship and over the next couple of years spent more and more time together. And this brings us to the fall of 2014. By this time, Rico and Jennifer were spending all of their available time together and the subject of moving in and even getting married was discussed often. Rico decided to relocate to Seattle and move in with Jennifer. However, it was around this time that Rico would fall off the wagon. His childhood friend, David Lara, described him as, and I quote, and this is really sad, but it's perfect for to describe him. He described him as a man who had been broken by many things, by life's general weight, by the weight of dreams unfulfilled. He was a broken human being. Whoa. That's a powerful no, yeah, that's that's uh, that's not high praise for sure. <laughs> wow, poor guy. Yeah, feel bad. On October eighth, Rico told Jennifer that he was going to drive around Seattle while she was at the gym. Now, remember, he loved to drive around and explore new areas. Sure. However, when Jennifer returned home at eight p.m., Rico still hadn't arrived home. Sorry, I had to sit Ziggy down on the floor. Uh, she assumed he was still out cruising around and texted him to find out uh, when he planned on coming home. To her surprise, when he answered, he informed her that he was actually passing through Oregon on his way back to Alhambra in California. Jennifer believed his intent was to talk with his family and reach some closure for the difficult events of his childhood. And she said, I quote, I think he realized some of the things he wanted to talk about with his mother. He wanted her to trust him and trust and believe in our relationship. So at around 2 a.m. on October 9th, Rico arrived at his mother's house, which concerned her. It seemed like Rico had been drinking and his behavior was odd. From what his mother could tell, uh, he never slept that night or the following day. So at 10.30 p.m., Margaret suggested that her son take a nap before heading back to Seattle the next day. Rico, Rico told her there wasn't time and that he had to be back by 7 p.m. to attend a barbecue with neighbors and that he was also... Uh, supposed to be at a meeting about a possible real estate job. So without telling his mom and after well over 24 hours without sleep, Rico began the grueling 17 hour drive back to North. I'm not North back to Seattle. Sorry. Whoa. Yeah. Let's stop. Let's talk about that. 17 hours after 24 hours of no sleep. Yeah. A 17 hour drive. So that alone, even if he had not been abusing any substances or alcohol, sure. Which he probably had, um, which to he, be up that much. Yes. Yeah. Um, I could get home to the barbecue. <laughs> I bet he's gonna be like a great barbecue guest. Isn't that like a so? Zombie? And it's like his mom wasn't, or his mom. It's not like his his mind was definitely not in the right place. I mean, it's not logical at all. No. And then he's going for a job interview. Basically, you can't be very sharp on that. No. Thing. Yeah. And I tell you what, the older I get, and it's been this way for a long time, though, I got to get sure eight hours of sleep, man. Yeah. Um, I can't. You remember when we were younger, you could uh, when I say stay out party and I was never really a partier, but I would stay out late. Yeah. But at times I'd stay out and come home at 3 a.m. Yeah. Catch four hours and be at work at eight. And I kind of miss that. I felt you feel kind of invincible. Like you do. <laughs> like you're like, I better be tired at work tomorrow. But. You're not. You're not. Like, just because you're young. You're just yeah. young. But I do remember every once in a while that catching up to you. And then all of a sudden, like Friday night, you're supposed to go out with friends and you're sitting there watching TV to kind of fill the time. And 
like you wake up on the couch, it's like four in the morning. Like, <laughs> it's like that did happen to me a few times. Really? Yeah. Where it just like caught up with me. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, it's too late to go out now. And you go back to sleep and you wake up at like 10 or 11 the next day. Well, it's, it's really, like, it's interesting what happens to you, to your body when, when you miss sleep. Yeah. Sleep is so important. Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so it's like, you know, now to me, it's like pretty cool to, to go to bed kind of early and to actually the morning, I think is a pretty awesome time. Yeah. There's something cool about the morning. It's like a, just a reset. How early are you getting up? Oh, about six forty five, something like that. Okay. That's I, I get up about 10 minutes after you. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. sometimes, sometimes about seven, sometimes up to seven thirty. sometimes, yeah. but not usually much more than that or else, or else I just feel weird the entire day. Um, I hate when I sleep in. Oh, me like, too. And when I say sleep sleep in like nine, that feels weird. Don't yeah. you get up in a panic? Like you feel like you missed yeah. three months of your life. Oh yeah. You're like yeah. so much time has gone by. Yeah. Missed- oh yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, like Saturday morning, like what year is it? Like there's certain shows that I like to watch like on Saturday and Sunday morning. It's like, Oh no, I missed that show. It's like, I'm a man of routine now. So that, that kind of stinks. No, it doesn't. Yeah, we're we're now we're both. I I've joined you in the forties class. <laughs> we're both in our forties. We got routines. You know, we get yeah. up. Uh, I I eat the exact same thing for breakfast every <laughs> morning. I make it the same way at the same time, and then I take my vitamins. Yeah, buddy, <laughs> I take vitamins. And no, I don't have them in this long little thing that has each day with a little packet of your vitamins with a little compartment. But I'm probably going to do that because that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. Actually, I have one of those for and my I take, for my other medicines. See? I do one of those. Yeah. So who cares? We're old. We're getting older. My opinions are getting softer. <laughs> my sex drive is gone because I have low testosterone, and that's awesome because I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's just a great. Don't worry about getting old. It's 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 actually kind of awesome. There there are bad parts. I mean, the memory. Like I have some memory lapses, just a little bit. Like. Uh, if I wait too long, I have one medicine that I take right before bed and that's when it was recommended that I take it because, because, uh, because I have two different ones I take. So they say, take one in the morning, take one at night. So I take one at night, but if I wait too long, sometimes I'm like kind of fading in and out of like watch. I'm trying to watch. I love to watch like nonfiction, like science stuff, history stuff, you oh, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> But sometimes that stuff, it's not that it's boring to me. It just kind of puts my mind at ease and it puts me to sleep. So um, I, what I've done on that bottle is I get to where I can't remember if I've taken it or not. And you don't want to double up on blood pressure Uh-oh. medicine. Yeah. So what I've done, a clever hack, I think it's clever, um, is I drew a star on one part of it and I turn it a third and I draw like squiggly lines on the other part and then a box on the other part. So I have three symbols that you can only see one symbol at a time. So when I take it, I take it, I put it up there and I, I make a middle note star. And I think about something about stars or, or the symbol star. <laughs> really? And that way, if I go in there to watch TV and I'm, I'm fading out and then I'm like, Oh, I guess I'm going to get up and you ever wake up and go to bed. And it's like, Oh, I got to wake up out of the chair and go into the bed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but sometimes I'm like, wait, did I take my medicine? I, there were a few nights. It's like, Oh man, I don't remember. I don't, there was nothing, you know, cause it's all routine. You just go in there, take it real fast and then walk away. Yeah. But it's helped since I've said, Oh yeah, the star, I was thinking about the stars or as the squiggly lines. I got the squiggly lines from Ghostbusters in the oh, beginning yeah. when they go, yeah, yeah. A couple of squiggly lines is like, no, you're not very good at this. Me. Shocks them. Yeah. Um, but anyway, 
um, that helps because every night I turn it to a different symbol, you know, which okay. is extremely weird now that I'm thinking of if it. It, it works but for it you. Helps, it works but for it you. helps. I even thought about printing some little stickers, but then I have to change the model or whatever. <laughs> like I thought about doing like a He-Man, a Skeletor, and then like a Merman or whatever. That's... Anyway, whatever process works for you. Man. I don't know, but it does. It has helped. It has really. I think helped. I would be like squiggly. No, was it a star? Oh, they both start with S. I try oh, to think crap. about something different every time. Like the other night, I was thinking about the fifth element, the squiggly lines on the fifth element. Okay, uh, stones. Hey, I try to think about something I every see night. How that would work? Yeah, you don't want in this head. This head's weird. I'm <laughs> telling you, there's weird stuff that floats around in here. But that helps me not uh, take multiple doses of a pill you're not supposed to take multiple Dude, doses of when i first met you which has been all damn near 20 years ago now just after the first 10 minute conversation we ever had and this is honest this isn't really kissing ass this is just stating <laughs> stating something your brain that's one of the first things i said to my wife was like his brain works and i said it in a good way his brain works unlike anybody else's i've ever really talked to just the way you said shit. That's for and, damn sure. Uh, yeah, no, it really is. <laughs> and that's, you fascinated the shit out of me. I mean, because I, I do not meet people ever that I want anything else to do with, really. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, man, here, have you met Tom? I met Tom the other day. He's awesome. We have some of the same interests. No, you know, I'm like, I don't that's, care. That's very rare, and, and that's kind of good that it is. You, yeah. You'd kind of get flooded down with... I don't know. You'd get some kind of, you couldn't make like deep connections with 500 people. No. You know, that, no. that would just like, we, we would like, there'd be a point to where it would cheapen, you'd add so many, it would cheapen all the other ones in a way, yeah. you know? And I've no. said it before too, like true 100%. A friend is somebody that you set aside time to be with yeah, just for the sake for sure. of being with them. And I know most of the time when we're together now, it's doing this podcast, but this, this is absolutely fun to me. And we'd, yeah, be, oh, we'd yeah, be hanging out sure. doing this anyway, except for we have microphones. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so as as far as that definition goes, you're my one and only true friend. And uh, Ditto. I just hope you outlive me because, dude, I don't want to be in a world without you. That would just <laughs> suck ass. I don't even want to You got all these episodes that. we can listen to, which would be kind of sad in a way, but maybe happy. No, that would make me. I don't know. Me, it'd be cool. The, the, whole, the whole collaboration thing is just that I feel like with you, like if we're collaborating for one of these silly skits or whatever, like I feel like both of us feel like we can throw out some kind of crazy idea, even if it's stupid. Like if you're around someone where you're afraid to say something or you think they'll think it's stupid, that's not a good relationship. Or or it's probably just, it's probably in its infancy. Probably eventually it will get better. But I think with friends, I think, you know, I think that you get that earlier than you would. I think you feel that earlier and you feel like you can express yourself really early. So it makes you, um, it makes you like that uh, companionship. So you actually come back for more all the time because that way, you know, you're like, hey, I'm not going to feel weird. I'm just going to feel like myself. And, and you know, that's what it is. I think that's all. It, I think that's what makes friendship so strong. You can just be yourself and not be afraid. And it should be pretty rare. Yeah, probably. I mean, that feeling where after you meet somebody, it's like, damn, this guy's like, I, I want to know this guy. Like, yeah, I, I really hadn't felt that very strongly since you until probably meeting Cody. Which yeah. I, we've only known Cody no. for a few months. Well, and now I've, maybe I've, like a year. I don't yeah. know. 
And, he, you know, I, I can fill that with a Cody, too. He's oh, for a sure. really cool guy. Yeah, so I think it should yeah. be rare. I think that's why it's cool, if, is if it's super rare. You like should that. tell him, unless he listens to this, he's a, he asks good questions. He'll uh, In that last episode, he'll, he'll just stop everything and he'll say, well, what do you think about this? Yeah, and it's something and it's that like, you wouldn't have. And it's like, whoa, yeah, that's a tough question. Yeah, for sure. That means it was a good question. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Uh, you don't want to get simple question person. It's like... <laughs> What do you, what do you think about Hitler? Yeah. <laughs> really? Really? What do you think about him? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, uh, Cody has good questions. Like, eh, I never really thought about that. It's a good question. No, it's not. Anyway. Yeah. He called me today. He's like, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, we're podcasting. He's like, oh, I was going to ask you to do something. And I was like, how about you being on our podcast? And he's yeah. like, I can't. I just called you to ask you to do something. I'm busy. And I'm like, okay, I am too. <laughs> All right, bye. But yeah, that was kind of a funny conversation. Yeah, we'll have him back for sure. He's going to be a reoccurring character. He's going to be like, you know, you watch Pee Wee's Playhouse and, (laughs) you know, the mailman is kind of a part of the show. He comes in and he actually becomes like a a supporting cast member. And it's like, hey, I want that mailman to come back. He was cool. Yeah. Him and Pee Wee Herman had a good thing going. Hey, mailman! I want the mailman to be on every episode. Why is he on every third episode? Why can't he get the mail every day? We were I just can't... we were just about to ask Cherry what the cigarette of the day was. <laughs> That's the worst Pee Wee Herman. No, the laugh was spot on, man. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, my dad was worried that I watched that show. He he, I remember him coming in while I was watching that show. I love the show. I, I love it too. All the puppets. The colors, the pterodactyl, the, the was music, cool. I the, love the it. word of the day. Yeah, uh, yeah. My dad had some issues. Really? Yeah. It's like, boy, you ain't right watching that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he let me watch it. Uh, I remember when uh, I was watching one of the uh, Cheech and Chong movies, <laughs> and Paul Rubens played in many of those. Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. It was bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I had a funny. Uh, a memory that popped into my mind just the other day. And looking back, of course he asked me this. Of course my dad asked me this. But my dad, my adopted dad, he was like 80, I don't know, how old was I? I was probably 16 when he asked me this. So he was in his late, mid to late 70s. So I was walking past him one day, and this is when I'm like into grunge. I've got torn up dirty jeans, long hair. I've got a Nirvana shirt with flannel over it, you know. I'd never done a drug in my life. I still haven't. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm walking past him. What about ibuprofen? Well, oh yeah, okay. Technically, I've, Sorry. I've done a leave, man. Oh, I've freebased a leave. And a BC all powder. Day, all day strong, not a leave. <laughs> so I'll never forget, I was walking past my dad. He was sitting in his easy chair. I'm walking past him to go to my room. He just reached his arm out and grabbed my arm, and he goes, are you on drugs? Like that. And I go... I was actually like super offended by it. I was like, no, because I was also going through this teenage angsty thing where I was I'm angry. Just trying all the to make time. it look like I do. I know I was such a stupid. I hate. I'm saying hat. that because I did that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So and I went back to my room all huffy, like, well, you asked me, you know. Uh, yeah, I was. There was just that a little, a little period there where I wanted to be. Oh, like the world is so dark. Oh, yeah. Why why live? You know, we I, wanted angst. So stupid. We didn't, we, even if we didn't have it, we wanted it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's funny that so uh, stupid. a lot of people have pointed this out that a lot of those kids that listen to that grunge stuff, which I, I'm guilty as charged. I still listen to some of it. Uh, but 
a lot of them are really rich kids that have fantastic moms and fantastic dads and they have everything they can ever need. And if they're, if they want to take up skateboarding, their parent gives them a credit card to where they can buy the best board, the best trucks, <laughs> the best bearings, the ones where you spin the wheel and it just goes forever. forever. My little my little Nash board that I bought at Walmart, you spin it and it stops in like 1.2 seconds. <laughs> but their little trucks on theirs and the bearings, you spin that wheel. Uh, <laughs> we hit a raw nerve. And it just nerve. keeps going. It's like, oh, I can't even skate on this Walmart piece of <laughs> shit. Uh, anyway, but a lot of these people that listen to that grunge, they had nothing to even scream about. A lot of the, even the artists that sang it. I mean, everything's great for them. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, they wanted it. So they had it. It's kind of funny. It's, it's a lot of psychology there. Yep. Um, and why? Yeah. I just young, I guess you're just still filling out life. Cause now I look back, I'm like, man, why would you want to manufacture that for yourself? Well, it's just kind of cool, right? I mean, it's just it's just cool to uh to be kind of tough and like you know, you, a lot of a lot of main characters in movies aren't like real happy-go-lucky. I mean, <laughs> you didn't see Bruce Willis and Die Hard walking in there walking to the party. Hey, how's everyone going? Howdy ho, neighbor. I'm here I'm here from Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm just some cop in here to see my maybe my wife, maybe my ex-wife in the future. I don't know. Yeah, and with Hope me, no terrorists show up. <laughs> with me, if I liked a girl too, I was like, I just like, man, maybe if I just act super depressed, yeah, she'll just wonder why I'm so depressed. Yeah, oh, he's dark. Yeah, he's tall, dark, and handsome. Well, I was neither tall nor dark. Well, but I mean, you got the dark part or handsome, but I was depressed <laughs> or <laughs> pretending to be. I wasn't even really depressed. Is the yeah. thing depressed yeah. so i'm like hey i'm not tall or dark or handsome but i'm sad <laughs> yeah do you, you want to know why i'm sad yeah. well that's the dark part the mysterious like. why are you sad and then i would have to say i don't know i have loving parents who love me we don't have a lot of money but they always make sure i have everything i need and i don't know why i'm sad <laughs> i listen to nirvana that's why listen to the song and you'll understand why i'm so sad yeah. and you play it and, and she's like i can't understand any of those lyrics it's like yeah <laughs> But I mean, I I can't, but I can. I can. I've got the album and, and I can unfold the CD jacket and I can read every lyric in there. Yeah. I know exactly what he's saying. I didn't at first, but now I do. I was the guy that made mixtapes. <laughs> if I liked a girl. <laughs> made I, her a mixtape? Yeah, I would put like, yeah, I would, I would make, it's just, oh, she listens. And it would be all really sad, slow, you know, everybody hurts. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Put that on there, yeah, and there was kind of a little vibe. Some stuff, yeah. Just be like, oh no, a little vibrato. In She'll just know how sad I am. Michael Stipe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's good stuff. I love all that stuff. Well, not all of it. Some of it I still love, but some of it, uh, <laughs> some of them, like I liked this. I have a whole new as a as an older man, a middle aged man, which we are. An older man. We're halfway there. Uh, I still love Nirvana. Yeah, I do too. I, I legitimately it. still love. It's still good music. I can still listen to it. Yeah, and I like it. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say that. But I just don't have to feel like now. I know that Kurt was a, kind of a messed up dude, a heroin addict, and you know, uh, I don't have to want to be like him. I can just listen to what the music he made. And, yeah, and I that's guess if okay. you get into drugs, and of course, uh, Courtney Love and all that stuff. I guess if you get into that stuff, I mean, you you have an addiction, then you have the angst to sing about that you wanted in the beginning. So it's kind of, it kind of comes full circle. Yeah. And I mean, I I think uh, from what I remember, I think his childhood was pretty messed up. So 
Yeah. There were people that really had it that screamed about it and sang about it. And it was authentic. But there are people that everything was fine, but they wanted that. You know, it's kind of a weird thing to want, but I wanted it too. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kurt had it pretty good until his parents got a divorce, and then it kind of went all sideways. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he had he had some legit places sure, to sing sure. from. All right. Rico. Yeah, yeah who? Rico. Oh, that's what we're talking Rico, about. Rico, who? Yeah, so when we left you 10 minutes ago before we went off the rails, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Rico. Uh, he hasn't slept for 24 hours, but he's leaving his mom's house to drive 17 hours back to 17 Seattle. 17 hours. So, around 1 a.m. on October 10th, he did call his mother, who was surprised and displeased to learn that he was already heading back without getting any well-needed rest. Just after that, he called Jennifer, who was also surprised that Rico was already heading back. They spoke for several hours as he drove, and during the course of that conversation, she grew more and more concerned about his state of mind. It didn't help that by this time, Rico had not slept in almost 40 hours. Golly. Think about crazy. that. Yeah. So. That's crazy. Let's get to the actual disappearance. <clears throat> right. Jennifer eventually fell asleep, but called Rico immediately after waking up at 8 o'clock that morning. Rico answered and told her he was in Sacramento getting gas. He sounded a little coherent and exhausted. Curi- uh, curiously, records show that he stopped in Lodi, 40 miles south of Sacramento, to get gas. For whatever reason, Rico seemed to be confused about where he was at this point, probably due to exhaustion. I can't think of any reason why he would have lied to her where he was. I don't know. doesn't make sense. A little while after that, Jennifer tried to call him again, but this time could not reach him. At 1045, Rico texted her to apologize for missing her call, and he let her know that he was going, and I quote, up in the mountains to rest, since he had not slept much since leaving Seattle. She and Margaret both would attempt to call him several more times, but the calls went unanswered. At 1115, Rico turned off his phone making his 10.45 a.m. October 10th, 2014 uh, text to Jennifer the last communication anyone would ever receive from Rico Harris. The time for Rico's expected arrival came and went, and by the time both Jennifer and Margaret were extremely concerned. They and several others were continuing to reach, trying to reach him, sorry, having no success. So around 8 p.m., Jennifer called Margaret to ask if she would file a missing persons report but the two agreed to wait it out. Now, in their defense, Rico did yeah, take, oh yeah. take off for days at a time. Yeah. Regularly. Sure. He could have pulled it any minute. I mean, if he, let's say he slept for five or six hours with his phone off or longer. Yeah. You know, he hadn't slept for that long. I mean, you could sleep for, you know, you could sleep for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. So I don't fault the them for. Yeah. That's probably what they thought. Thought he's passed out. Yes. Now, yeah, because he had just told him he was going to rest. So, yeah, of course. Sure. Uh, on October 12th, a sheriff's deputy in Yolo County was doing a routine inspection of a parking lot in Lower Sight, an isolated rest area in, in the Cache Creek National Park, and he saw a black Nissan Maxima parked off to the side. This area is roughly seven hours north of Alhambra and 12 hours south of Seattle, which was Rico's destination. The deputy didn't think much of it until he saw it there again the next day. After running the plates, he discovered it belonged to Rico Harris and contacted the Alhambra Police Department. Alhambra Police went to Margaret's house upon receiving word of Rico's car being abandoned and told her it had been found hundreds of miles away. She contacted Jennifer, and the pair immediately decided to file a missing persons report. Okay. 
Law enforcement contacted Rico's cell phone provider and requested recent pings that would direct them to the approximate location of his phone. Bizarrely, it pinged in the Redwood Valley area. Now, that's bizarre because that is almost 70 miles away from where Rico's car had been found. This is where it gets really flipping weird, okay? Mm-hmm. What's also strange is that when Rico's vehicle was inspected, it was discovered to be out of gas and had a dead battery as well. If Rico had gotten fuel in Lodi, which was only 100 miles from where his car was, why was he out of gas? Did he only put a few dollars in? Had he driven around the area until running out when, you know, after filling up? Police also found Rico's Washington State driver's license and his credit card in the car. At this point, authorities weren't even sure if Rico had been driving the car or if he had driven it where it was abandoned or if somebody else had put it there. Mm -hmm. I would say, and I don't know if they did this, but I would look at how far the seat was slid back because Rico was six foot eight. Mm. If the seat was way up, you know, maybe they did look at that and that's why it's not. Man, I'd hope they did because that's brilliant. You missed your calling, man. No, no, no. Now that's pretty good. And full disclosure, I've just read too many cases where a female five foot two would be vanished, and they would find her car stashed somewhere, but the seat was put all the way back. So you know, uh, someone taller must have driven it there. That's yeah, that's smart. That's uh, you know, that's you start to realize more and more that really brilliant things sometimes are simple that people could miss. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have thought about that. Just like Carl Childers. I can't get this lawnmower to work. You put gas in it. Ain't ain't got no gas in it. Yep. See? Yeah. Sometimes the simplest things. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I always thought that scene was kind of BS. I mean, they're standing outside of a lawnmower repair shop, (laughs) and three guys are looking at this lawnmower. (laughs) I mean, I, I don't know. I would think that it would say, that he would say, I I don't know. Maybe it. I don't know. I don't want to get on. No, no, you're right. Work. For that to have happened, it would have had to have run out of gas, and then the guy, I guess, would not know how lawnmowers work or any combustible engine, and took it to the repair <laughs> shop. I don't know what happened to it. I was yeah. just driving it and it and it just stopped it running. Yeah, you putting the gas in it? Why hell? You're worth every penny, Carl. Maybe a better line <laughs> would be like. Spark plug ain't getting no fire. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Or, I don't know, spark plugs fouled. <laughs> that would have made more sense. Well, I don't know. I mean, it. it I will say this. When I first watched it, I kind of chuckled a little bit, and and I didn't think much of it, probably. It was only till I watched it two or three times later, probably. It's not know. good to overthink movies. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm being an arsehole. So, yeah, no, I I think it's good. Hey, it's a great film. It's a fantastic film. Yes, it is. Have you ever seen the short version? It's on YouTube. Yes, I have. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty cool. Um, I love it because it was really neat, and you could tell that somebody somewhere said, hey, this is awesome. Let's make it into full length. You know, that was a great decision. What a great movie, man. Yeah, yep. Anyway, yeah, keep it. I love it. (laughs) Ain't got no gas in it. I mean, it's iconic line for sure. Yeah, it is. Who am I to, you know, on some podcast <laughs> coming after billy bob sorry buddy you're he's a, a fellow arkansan you're a winner in my book he's from hot springs buddy yeah that's cool yeah, yeah. that's really cool the car was processed for fingerprints and dna invest so i'm sure if they did that they looked at where the damn seat was i'm sure they did maybe not <laughs> investigators also found harris's backpack which had been left by the side of the road 
In it, they found his phone and charger and some other items not considered relevant to his whereabouts. Could have been anything. Pez. I don't know. Yep. The phone contained pictures of the creek and some selfies, including one in which Harris was standing in front of a sign welcoming drivers to Yolo County, striking a playful pose. There was also some videos apparently taken unintentionally showing Harris singing along to music playing in his car and casually flinging CDs around the vehicle. They were timestamped the night of October 10th, meaning that Rico had been alive and in his car at that time. A search and rescue team was assembled, including ATVs and aircraft with heat sensing uh, cameras on board. The team searched a five mile radius of the parking lot and 27 miles along Route 16 through the rugged canyon. It also searched a two lane road that winds through the canyon. But despite their best efforts, Rico was not located and the search was called off at the end of October. However, several sightings were reported after police put out a request for information from the public. One passerby along Route 16 reported seeing a man who fit Rico's description walking along the road at 5.30 um, p.m. on October 11th, while another motor motorist believed he had seen him sitting on a guardrail overlooking the creek near the parking lot. It's worth noting that his backpack was found roughly 1,500 feet from that spot on the guardrail. Then, eight days after the disappearance, a man who had driven past the parking lot where the Nissan had been told police he saw a large man wearing light-colored pants similar to the ones Rico had been wearing when he left his mom's house. The next day, a trail of fresh foot impressions left by size 18 sneakers, consistent with those Harris wore, were found leading from the parking lot to the creek near where the Nissan had been parked. Not many people match Rico's enormous stature and physique, so considering that it's a very high probability that Rico was the person that they had witnessed and the size 18 shoes. Did they put a guy's foot in the si in a pair of size 18 shoes and make a similar impression next to it to see if the weight distribution was correct? I bet it wouldn't be out because to the it, toes. Yeah. Somebody's wearing his shoes, man. <laughs> see, I'm smart too. <laughs> Actually, that was stupid, <laughs> but Hey, I could see how that could be a tactic in a case. Like, well, maybe it really wasn't him. Like, what do you mean? Somebody put on his shoes to make us think it's him. Hey, I'll tell you what. I If I were to commit a crime like, this isn't a crime, but if I were going to like murder somebody, yeah, I've thought about this maybe too much. I'm not going to murder anybody. But Yeah, because you wouldn't be saying it now. No. I would put on shoes larger than my feet. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Because a lot of times I've read cases where they were like, well, it was a size nine and, you know. Of course, they can't do a small, you couldn't do a smaller foot. That's physically impossible. No. But, you know, if it was a size or two or three bigger than your foot, that might be enough to throw them off. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, just a size or two would probably work. I mean, uh, because that would be enough to throw them off. But if it was too many, yeah, you're right. The weight wouldn't be right. But yeah. uh, I don't know, something to think about. He had huge feet, but really light toes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds... That thing right there sounds like a punchline for a joke. I don't know what it could be. <laughs> That's our assignment until next week. We got to think of a joke to go with that punchline. <laughs> yeah, somebody out there, if you got one. That's so. The punchline again is he had really big. What was it again? How he had say? huge feet. Oh, huge. but really light toes. Huge feet, really light toes. <laughs> There's got to be a joke that fits that. Yeah, that's the assignment. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, uh, Dave Chappelle said in his last stand up that he'll just have punchlines. 
He'll oh, yeah. Have punchlines written out and he'll make up jokes for him on the fly. Yep. Yep. And he said, I'm so good. It works. Yeah. You know? He's a legend. He knows. Yeah, it. that's right. Anyway. <laughs> so a month after his disappearance, cadaver dogs were taken to the area and a dive team searched part of the creek, but also no sign of Rico. So as of November 2014, the case has gone cold. There are no solid theories as to what may have happened, but based on the evidence, it seems that Rico went to that area alone and of his own free will. By the time he vanished, he was pushing 50 hours of no sleep. And we know the effects of this can, uh, what the effects of it can have on our state of mind. Police also wondered if, given his uh, past struggle with substance abuse, Rico might have fallen off the wagon and become severely intoxicated, thus explaining his strange movements on that final day. However, the search of his car yielded no evidence of any illegal substances or paraphernalia, although one report did state that two plastic bottles were found containing remnants of what police believed may have been some type of hard liquor, but that is not uh, like found in the of. area. Yeah. I mean, I, I, from being out in the woods, hiking and stuff, you always find trash. You go no matter where you go. It's, it's frustrating. You can kind of sad yeah. hike for hours and hours and hours. And you're like, Hey, I'm somewhere where someone hasn't been for a long time. Nice. A bunch of Coors light cans. Oh, I was going to say, what is that? Oh, lifestyles. Yeah. <laughs> well, that just ruined nature for me. Yeah. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. <laughs> That's not what you're talking about, I know. Nah, but. not at all. Yeah. So what do you think lifestyles happened? Lifestyles of the ribbed and <laughs> something. I couldn't think of something for famous. <laughs> That's good, though. That's good. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's just not enough other than the seat thing. I wish I knew the seat thing. I wish yeah. I knew where the seat was. Let's assume the seat was in a position where it appeared that he, we know that he was in that area because he took a selfie with the entering that yeah. county sign. So let's assume that the seat is back. You know, he parked the car there. I just wish that he had more sleep and it was kind of a normal thing. And, you know, I wish he was just uh, for his sake and everyone else's, his families, I wish that he hadn't had so many rough times and some substance abuse because then that would make me go down the 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 missing persons uh, case where someone else caused it. That would cause me to go to look more that way. But the way it is now, I just feel bad. I just think that the guy, you know, something from his own choices made him be a missing persons. I have to agree. Missing uh, person. Yeah. I mean, because not, he does not, you know, he doesn't have multiple personalities. <laughs> he did have bipolar disorder, though. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, I feel like he went there of his own volition. And yeah, it's super weird that there was sightings of him after the car was taken. Yeah. Like, did he just, I think, and this is possible. I think he just had a mental break. I think your sure. mind can just snap like a salty yeah. cracker. And I think he just wandered off in the woods and uh, I don't know. I know he was in that area even after they took his car. If you want to believe the, the eyewitness reports and uh, you think a guy that big though would have been found even his remains. Yeah. But uh, it's, I don't know. It's just a very strange deal. Well, there's a trail system not too far from my house that I've hiked many times and it's a loop. It's about mm, five and a half miles, something like that. Nothing, nothing big, but, um, but you get out there and it, it's, 
it's out in the woods. So the other night I got a call at like 10 o'clock at night and this guy that I kind of know said, Hey, my wife and uh, my son were out hiking and her phone's about to die and they're lost and they don't know quite where they are. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been around that lake a lot of times and I'm like, well, usually if you keep the lake to your right, you're usually pretty good. You know, you can Mm -hmm. follow the loop all the way out. Um, I said, did she say she can see the lake? And he said, no. Uh-oh. And so when I'm, when I'm looking at a map of this thing on my phone, cause I'm like, where could she be? Cause he gives me like some of the stuff she said she saw. And so I kind of got this idea of where she was at. Now keep in mind that this isn't the middle of nowhere. I mean, this is near our town and there's another town to the North and there's houses like all around it. Yeah. So I went, I went out. And, and, uh, we started hiking around and then we got the call from the sheriff's office that they found her. Cause I was going to hike all the way around and go to the point where I think she strayed off. And I thought, well, maybe we could yell for her right there. Mm-hmm. And maybe she's not too far away where she could hear us. You know, it's quiet at night and stuff like that. Um, but you know, it didn't take very long for her to stray off and she went, like a few miles in the wrong direction and was in the middle of nowhere. But then luckily she saw a light and she walked up on this driveway and the, the county cop was there to, to, you know, I guess the, the people called the county cop and the county cop came and picked her up and the county cop called from his phone and called the guy. So it took, it took about 20 minutes for them to get her back around to where we were. Wow. Cause I mean, the roads take a lot longer than the trails, obviously, you know, cause you, you know, you can't, it's like, you know, the, the way the crow flies and stuff like that. Right. She was by road. She was pretty far away from us, but by hiking, we could probably be to her in like maybe an hour, you know, just, okay. you know, or 30 minutes to an hour, you know, but I mean, it took 20 minutes on the road to get her back around. But what I'm trying to say is like, it doesn't take long to get lost. Right. I mean, that big, long thing was just to say that, I mean, even in a pretty populated area and this guy was probably out way less, populated you know so you know you just think about whenever there's a search and rescue what they normally do is they they have i think they have these compasses already made um to where they fit on their maps already to where it's like a it's like a piece of plexiglass and it might be red and it has a bunch of numbers on it but basically they're like okay how long's it been oh 30 minutes okay it's this size circle so they set it down on the map where they were last seen and they draw the circle but then they can use mapping technology to say, say, yeah, yeah, well, this terrain is really rugged, so we need to slide the circle this way a little bit, right? You know, because this terrain's like easy, so they made it further if they went this way. So I mean, you just got to think: one hour they're this far away, two hours, three, four, five, they're going in the wrong direction, and they're, you know, they're second guessing themselves. Oh well, this is the wrong direction. I'm going to go back this direction. I don't know. It's it's just in about five hours time, I could see it being almost impossible to find somebody in a really secluded area. Yeah. You know, based on all that stuff. And what's funny is even when you think you are walking in a straight line, uh, Mythbusters did. Sure. This, I think they were blindfolded for part of it, but even with your eyes open, if you're in an environment that there's no distinguishing landmarks, like it's just all trees. Yeah. You can think you're walking in a straight line. Guarantee you, you're not. I guarantee oh, yeah. you're not walking. In a yeah, straight. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's t- there's that. And, the whole uh, thing like right eye dominance, right leg dominant. You know, you're you're stepping just a little bit further with your right leg. 
or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a big circle. You know what's funny? Tell me if you've ever done this, because I've done it several times before. Uh, like at work, my there's a really, well, really long. It's probably, I don't know. It's probably an eighth of a mile long driveway. Yeah. Pa- you know, paved. Uh at my work and a lot and I walk all over the plant. So sometimes if I'm ever at the very front of that and I am doing something when I'm done, I've got to walk all the way back to my office. If it's a nice day, I'm out walking. Sometimes I'll, I've done this many times. I'll be walking right down the middle of that driveway. And sometimes I'll be like, I'm just going to close my eyes for like 15 paces and, yeah. and try to go straight and I'll open them and see. Yeah. And I don't know how many times before I even get to 15 paces, I feel grass under my feet. <laughs> And I'm already yeah. off. Like, it's funny if you guys are ever in an area That's where you cool. can safely do yeah. that. I'm not going to walk into anything. It's flat off the side of the, you know, driveway. I'm sure. All safe. Uh, do that sometime and you'll be shocked at how you much you suck at not being able to walk a straight line. <laughs> and if you also notice, have you done that thing where you're like, I'm going to try to keep in, keep in my mind how far I've went. And then I'm going to open my eyes. I bet I'm about right here. So you yeah. open your eyes and you're like totally off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we suck at that. Yeah, as we people. do. <laughs> well, I mean, there's doing yoga. Uh, the, the yoga teacher that I have on this app, one day he was saying like, okay, hold this pose. One leg out. Your arms are spread. So you're on one leg. One leg. You're on, let's say, your left leg. Your right leg's sticking straight back and you're bent over and you're kind of like flying. You have your two arms out to the left and right. Okay. And like... The best way to keep your balance is to focus on one thing. Like um, I'm usually in the kitchen, so I focus on the letters of the microwave, like the A on the microwave. So I'm focusing on the A. And then he's like, okay, close your eyes, focus on that and close your eyes and see if you can hold the pose. And I'm not kidding. As soon as you close your eyes, you start wobbling and stuff, (laughs) which I thought, well, yeah, you're not focusing on on anything. But then he goes on to this thing and he doesn't stay on anything very long because he is your yoga trainer. But he's, he's like, he's done, he's been to India a lot of times and he's, you know, um, met with like gurus and stuff like that. And he said, uh, I forgot exactly how I put it, but basically like, yeah, when you close your eyes and you're holding a tough position, you know, you, you, you don't see anything. He, you're, you're just like in your mind. He's, it's like, it's just you in your mind and, and, and that gets you off balance. The fact that you're relying on yourself and nothing else, nothing from your surroundings. It's like, you're afraid that you're, it's, it's just you. You're like afraid of yourself. So you open your eyes like, Oh, I got to get my balance. <laughs> he said, I don't, and he was basically saying, I don't think it's about your balance. I don't think your eyes keeping your balance. I think that you, you get in there and you have to rely on yourself and you don't want to do that. You're like, oh, I don't trust myself. And you open your eyes again. <laughs> it's like, it's a really deep thought. But at, when I first heard it, I was like, Oh, that's stupid. You know, but then I was thinking about it. It's like, wait, it, it's probably right. Yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. It makes sense to me. It's like, but, you know, his challenge is like, you should be able to close your eyes longer and longer. Like, you should be able to, you know, two seconds one time, four seconds the next, the next. And then you should be able to, that balance, it's like balance in life, trusting yourself to make good decisions and stuff like that. Are, are, uh, are you still trying to do it? Close your eyes. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm better at it, but I'm not good. You really? would think you would think you could be able like you would think eventually it doesn't make sense because most poses I've been doing this for over a month now. Most poses come easier. Like you keep doing it. And, oh yeah, I, I wasn't able to hold that before, but now I can. I feel really good. 
let me try the eyes clo- eyes closed thing. Oh man, I can't do it. <laughs> like I'm falling, you know? Yeah. It's like it's like that curve is way way more shallow than the rest, you know? Or way more steep, I guess learning curves more steep. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. So it's like I'm trying to hold it and I close my eyes and I can't hold it. It's like but any other any other pose I can hold it and I'm fine, you know? because i've like done that pose multiple times right. it's weird yeah I, there might be something to that there you has trust to be yourself yeah it's very weird it's very it's weird to even talk about but it's just it kind of gets you know when i talk about it and i think about it, it's like man that is weird i sure i'm sure you could really get into the weeds with on the psychological side of that oh yeah i think yeah. he has a good point it's a really interesting way to think about it yeah you know yeah i was like oh i close my eyes and lose my because it, here and here's the thing like your muscles are like, you're still, you're, you're standing perfectly still. Your muscles aren't moving. So you think you could say, okay. And, and it's like, and this is part of it too. Like, I'm like, okay, this time when I close my eyes, I'm going to make sure to think of all my muscles and like, don't let a muscle move because I'm holding it totally fine. So don't let any muscles move. That's, it's gotta be easy. But when I try to be overbearing and like, like, not let any muscles move and I close my eyes, I instantly fall out of the pose. <laughs> but when I'm but when I'm like, okay, it's gonna be fine. I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna close my eyes. It's like one, two, three, four. Okay, four. Yeah, that's pretty good. Couldn't hold it four the other day, you know? Right, right. It's very weird. Yeah. It's very weird. Man. I've been meaning to get to follow you on this journey on this yoga thing and you I just will. have not done you it. You will yet. eventually because I'm I'm gonna get to the point where I'm just so infectious with it. <laughs> Where, where I'm going to sell you on it. And, and that's when it's and when you're ready, you'll do it and it'll be awesome, but you're not ready yet. You're, no, not, I'm you're not ready yet. Grasshopper. That sounds so much like that was like Yoda. He, I came all the way to Dagobah and <laughs> said, I'm not ready yet. So I guess what am I going to do? Fly the X wing out of here. Is ready? You are not. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I'm here. What's up? No. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, it's Rico Harris, man. Yeah. Uh, Poor guy. I know. I know. I think, like, I, I'll, I'll repeat what I just said earlier, but I think, yeah, he, he, I think he had a mental break and uh, just wandered off. Yeah. Uh, it is weird that no one has found that big six foot eight frame of his. But, but at any point, at any time, there could be something that comes out where it's like, wait, we have this evidence. And all it's going to take is one little thing to sway it mm-hmm. to where it's like, oh, he was saw in uh, this town with this guy pulling through the ATM. Then you're like, oh, there it is. Yep. yep. That's something. And that could always happen. Yeah. The the whole thing about the gas and the battery, I mean, I guess the lights could have been left on or any, you know, a dome light or anything. Um, of course, the cops, you think they would have noticed, oh, that light's on. That's why the battery's dead. But as far as the gas, uh, that is, that's strange. That, that part's kind of weird. Yeah. Do you think that he was so out of his head? You think he drove around and burned the gas off and then parked there? Yeah, yes. And then I think the dead battery came after. I think maybe he just tried to start his car forever with that, with no gas in it, you know, and just drain the battery sure. that way. And it could have been, you know, I, you know, we don't have the data to say how old the battery was. You know, they start losing their cranking amps. Oh, for, yeah, for they, sure. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, I just, I think that's it. I think that's what happened. And, yeah, poor uh, guy. I hope something happened. There's a you know, something that would help the family, anything, but you know, yeah. Sad, sad deal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's Rico Harris. Uh, thank you all for listening. Is that it? Is yeah. That yeah. That's it. Yeah. We'll wrap that up. There. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm not- sorry for the, 
brain droppings of randomness, but that's what we do. That's what we that's do. That's what, especially what I do. Yeah, it's it's great. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be Donna Manis. That's right. That. That's right. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys next time. That was episode seventy eight. Where on earth is Rico Harris? Rico, we're looking for you, buddy. Come home. I'm going to tell you about some feathers I know. A couple gingers named Ivan and Joe who started themselves a little podcast, you know. They talk about everything under the sun that they find interesting, spooky, or fun. They ain't trying to impress no one. Remedy to too much time on your hands is Take a little listen to the dawn of Mantis uh, One week they might talk about old Mike The next might be about the Yuba County Five Well they even did one about the Hornet Spook Light I'm sure they'll carry on for a good long spell this old world's as weird as hell and there'll never be no shortage of stories to tell The remedy to too much time on your hands is Take a little listen to the dawn of Mantis The remedy to too much time on your hands is Take a little to the dawn of Manti